back to the Church is Messy podcast. I'm Svea Mary and glad to be here this morning with Rick Henderson. Good morning, Rick. Hey, Svea, how you doing today? I'm doing well, and you? I'm doing I'm doing great. When we recorded this episode, all our episodes are dropping a little bit later. Uh, we're it's summertime; people are scattered, uh, so we're trying to we're trying to pre-record. But uh, I don't know when people listen to this, but I uh, floated down the river yesterday. You did. That yeah. was your big Fourth of July hope, That's and right. it worked. Yes, huh? yes, yes. And uh, we were a little nervous about the weather, but it ended up cooperating, and uh, I loved it. I had I had a blast. It was a great way to celebrate Independence Day. And enjoy time with family and friends. That's great. What did you call that? The redneck float? A redneck river float. Yeah. And for those who don't know what I'm talking about, it's basically uh, you're wearing your grubbies. You're out in the, you're floating down the river. Waterproof speaker is a must because <laughs> we're listening to listening to music as we float down the river. Uh, and it, all kinds of different genres, but it, Chris Stapleton has to be included nice. in floating down the river. And then cold fried chicken is a must. It is fantastic <laughs> just to float and munch on some cold fried chicken. I don't know why it's so amazing, but it is. And I loved it. And I'm feeling great today. Well, I'm so glad to hear that. Is that something new to you since you've moved to Minnesota? Or is this a, a national treasure that you've brought with you I don't you know here? if it's a national treasure. It's something that we really picked up last summer hanging out with some of our friends here. Uh, so you got to go down the, uh, we go down uh, at Welsh Mill down the Cannon River okay. near Welsh Village where some people like to go uh, snowboarding and, and snow skiing. Uh, if you're familiar with that area, but uh, floating down a river and two. I mean, that's something I grew up doing in Florida, although it looked a little bit different than it does here. Uh, Florida Springs and that kind of culture, that vibe is very different than here in Minnesota, but both are fantastic. Well, we have fewer alligators to chomp on you down the river here. That's right. No alligators here. Uh, definitely alligators uh, in Florida. But you know what? Tons of eagles. Yesterday, mm. so many eagles. That mm. was awesome. What an appropriate thing for the 4th of July. I know, right? It was America. Yeah. <laughs> So so go there with me a little bit because yeah. your your message this last weekend kind of in preparation for the 4th of July mm -hmm. was definitely uh it may have pushed a few buttons for some people on on the way that they view Christianity and love for love for God and country mm -hmm. in a blended way and and you were you were um, encouraging us to hold both of those things as individual values, but not necessarily to blend them. That's right. And I, I think you summarized it uh, perfectly. And it would be mishearing the message to say, minimize love for country. No, don't minimize your love for country. Love your country. Mm -hmm. I love this country. Uh, if either one or both of uh, my kids who are home right now decided that they wanted to go in the military, I'd be, I'd be so proud of them. Mm. Um, if they wanted to go into government, I would be so proud uh, of them. If they wanted to serve on the school board, if they wanted to aim for the White House, I'd be proud. If they aim for anything in between, I'd be proud. I love this country. We should serve what is in the best interest of our country. Uh, I think it is God honoring to honor the country that you're in. We should be we should be grateful. There is so much. There's so much in the New Testament that was unfortunately downplayed uh, during the COVID chaos about honoring kings, mm. honoring government leaders, praying for them, mm -hmm. um, realizing um, that they serve a fantastic God-ordained purpose. Uh, unfortunately, that got downplayed a little bit, and I hope it's not downplayed in the way that people heard that message. We're not saying love your country less. What we're saying is, as you love God and love your country, don't blend those two things into one thing. We talked a little bit about the fact this is not a Christian nation, mm -hmm. but it is a nation that is great 
for Christians. It's great for uh, followers of Jesus. It's great to be able to share that with others who aren't yet uh, followers of Jesus. Uh, there are so many fantastic things from the Christian faith that influence founders of our country, uh, influence all kinds of people who were who were involved in that. We continue to reap the benefits uh, of that today. It wasn't exclusively uh, the Christian faith that founded our nation. There's all kinds of stuff from um, uh, brilliant thinkers from um, Europe uh, who uh, influenced us, uh, people from, from, I'm thinking about philosophers from, from Greece, I'm thinking about others closer to our own history, guys like John Locke. Anyway, I, <laughs> I don't want to digress into that. But anyway, we're, we're not a nation that's founded on allegiance to Jesus, but those who have an allegiance to Jesus recognize some of the uh, treasures of the Christian faith that were woven into the things that influenced our founding. Mm. And we should celebrate that and be grateful for that. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Now, you said a lot of things that were quite thought-provoking in the message, and, mm. and maybe some people were were pushed a little bit to consider how they view their love for God and their love for country. Uh, but uh, it's quite possible that you may have poked some, uh, some gentle sides mm. with the usage of a very beloved verse. Jeremiah 29, 11 is, That's right. is yeah. a verse that is precious to many people. And it should be. Mm. It should be. Mm-hmm. Let me just say that. It's a beautiful verse, and it should be cherished. You kind of walked us through the the process of understanding that that's not necessarily a verse that is directly applicable to all of us sitting here today in the USA, that it's not a promise that was intended for us today in our country and who we are. Correct. But I thought it would be helpful for this podcast episode to talk a little bit more about that concept of, of how verses are applied and, and when we can hang on to a verse as a mm. promise for ourselves, something sure. that we can take to the bank as God is, is, is saying this as gospel truth to us, and, uh, and when it is that there are these cases where a beloved verse may not necessarily be directly a promise to us. But there's still value in it, and, and we don't want to leave people with confusion on that. So I thought it'd be fun to spend a little more time talking about taking verses out of context and and how we apply those. Sure. And listen, you I think you hit the nail on the head, beautifully articulated some of the anxiety that uh, people, people might feel. I'm losing something that I've cherished. I'm losing mm-hmm. something that's precious. And what I want to say is, no, 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 you're actually gaining it. And you, when you see it for what it actually is, and you see it for how God intended it, you're gaining something. What you're losing is misunderstanding. And while that is a painful process for all of us, uh, that's a that's a good thing. I heard there's a great TED Talk. I can't remember the gal who gave this TED Talk, but it, it'll it come to me after we record, after we're done <laughs> recording, I'm sure. She, but in her TED Talk, she talks about the experience of being wrong. Mm. She says, what does it feel like to be wrong? And the audience is basically saying, oh, it feels horrible, feels terrible. And she says, actually, no, <laughs> being wrong feels great. It's realizing you're wrong mm. that feels bad. Mm. Uh, but the experience of being wrong feels exactly like the experience of being right. It's one of the reasons that we can't rely too heavily on the way that we feel. Mm. We can't rely too heavily on our emotions. Those things are important, but they're not a great indicator of truth. They're really a great indicator of what's going on inside of us. And so if we're at a point we're realizing maybe I have misunderstood a verse or I've misapplied that, and we feel that internal turbulence. Don't hit the ejection button. I mean, don't <laughs> don't just don't bail out. Go through it because what's on the other side is good. If God is real and God loves you and this is his word, 
understanding it is always better than misunderstanding it. Sure, and sure. So that's just that's the place that I'm coming from. Okay, but help the person who maybe uh, for I know the plans I have for you is their life verse, and maybe they've got it on on artwork hanging on their wall, mm-hmm. and now you're saying that maybe they've misunderstood the intent behind this verse. Take them to the next level. Okay, so first off, listen, having a life verse, uh, I don't want to poo-poo that idea, but let's don't exalt that too highly. It's the whole counsel of God. Let's, let's mm-hmm. you know, and let's make sure if this is a verse that's really important to you, let's see it within the context of, 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 God's, of God's word here. So originally, this, is, this verse is a line that comes from a letter that was written by the prophet Jeremiah to the exiles who are in Babylon. It's going uh, to, the, to the priests. It's going to the elders. It's going to prophets. It's going to all the people who are there, who've been taken against their will from Jerusalem to Babylon because of Nebuchadnezzar, and also because God is graciously and sovereignly orchestrating that exile uh, behind the scenes. And essentially, the message that they're getting from false prophets is, you're going to get to go back to your country. And Jeremiah is writing to say, no, that's not God's plan. You're going to stay there. And basically, everyone who is reading this letter or is hearing this letter, you don't get to go back. Mm. You're going to stay here for 70 years. And if you're still alive, <laughs> I, I, you may not even have the health to make the journey back mm-hmm. when it's time to, mm-hmm. time to go back. Or if you do get to go back, you're going to be so elderly that it is just going to be a fraction of your life and not the majority of your life, which is going to be spent here for the next seven decades. Really in not Babylon. what they wanted to hear. Not what they wanted to hear, right? It had to be heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. I mean, just heartbreaking to hear. You are ripped away from the land that represents God's promise to you, mm. that you are his you are his people. And being able to live in that land was a daily reminder that you are his chosen people, and now you're ripped away from that. I don't think that I have it within me to understand just how brutal that must mm. have felt emotionally mm-hmm. and psychologically. Mm-hmm. And in the middle of that emotional chaos and that spiritual uh, hurricane that's happening in their hearts and their minds, God says, I know the plans I have for you, uh, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Now, I think that that line probably is immediately applied to them as individuals and as a collective. You are still my people, and I have, I have plans for you and a future for you, and eventually that will lead you back to the land of promise. But all of you are a part of my people, and I have good plans for you right now where you are, where you don't want to be, in a situation that you would never choose. And those good plans are better than the thing that you desire most. Mm -hmm. Will you trust me in that? Mm -hmm. Now, I can understand how literally Mm -hmm. God is not speaking to us Mm -hmm. today, but would you agree it's fair to say that the principle that underlies that verse can still be applicable. Absolutely true. And that's one of the reasons that, and I don't know if I did a good job of making it clear. You never really know if you're doing a good job of making something clear when you're... when you're. Well, that's when, the fun of the podcast. We get to, to <laughs> yeah. have a second shot at so clarity. So it's um, that this isn't for you as much as it reveals the God who is for you and what you should be for. Mm-hmm. The same God 
who was for his rebellious people who were rejecting him, and then after they experienced this massive punishment being exiled because of their sin, doubled down by listening to false prophets instead of the true prophet. And they should have known to be listening to Jeremiah all along, but they, but they weren't. And when they doubled down on their rebellion and their hard-heartedness and just being stiff-necked people after this, this punishment of being exiled, God still says, I'm for you. Mm. God is the, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the same way towards his people now. Mm-hmm. He's the same way towards you and me. He's the same way towards all the people who are listening to this, who have trusted in Christ. He's for you. All right. That promise was to them, not to us, but the God who makes it, who made that promise is for us. And so you can cling to that. Mm-hmm. You can cling to that. The problem, however, we got we got to make sure that we shine a spotlight on this problem is when you just take that out of context you miss the depth and the richness mm. of, of of that promise. Well keep talking about that cuz that's maybe where the beauty of actually realizing that you've missed something all along that there's there's an a whole extra dimension to this. What about the person who's in the middle of suffering? Mm-hmm. Or they're in the middle of heartache? Life just isn't going the way that they're going to go. Listen, it is an American idea, or it is a Western idea, or it's a prosperity gospel idea that we're always going to thrive and things are going to go up and to the right. I'm always, listen, my income is is always, it might go up and down, but it's on a trajectory of up. My health is on a trajectory of up. My relationship status is on a trajectory of everything. We're winning. We're winners, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's what we do. That's what we do as uh, as Americans. We win. <laughs> and I'm saying that's not, that's not the Bible. There are a lot of godly, good-hearted, brilliant, faithful people who suffered all throughout and it wasn't up and to the right. Mm-hmm. The 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 trajectory wasn't. Ah, the status is mostly improving. Mm-hmm. It's a roller coaster ride, but the status is mostly improving. That's not that's not what's promised to us. And if you're listening to this and you feel like, well, I'm in a I'm in a spot where I have no guarantee that that things are going to get better, and I and I'm I'm in a tough spot. That there is wisdom in recognizing that there are pains in life. But God is with me and for me in the middle of that, and he might be doing something good that's difficult for me to see now. Mm-hmm. We go back uh, one or two episodes ago, we talked about the promise of, of Romans 8, 28. I think that that's, our, that's, that's the new covenant, Jeremiah 29, 11, that all things work together for good. We know that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. Even if we can't see it now, even if we never see it, we know that God is up to something good. Mm, that's very helpful. Can we have some fun with some other verses yeah, too? Let's, let's, Jeremiah 29, 11, as you said, was is such a favorite verse. It so. is. It is a favorite verse. And let me just say, if you have it on your coffee mug, don't throw away your coffee mug, right? If it's on needlepoint and something in your house, don't throw it away. Don't get rid of it. Don't stop cherishing it. Don't mm-hmm. stop quoting it. Re- understand it in its original context and apply it to your context in a way that honors the original mm-hmm. context. 
And and that's not that much of a stretch for the way that most people would interpret this verse, that the, the what they're clinging to is the God that is sovereign over all and mm-hmm. that has a future in sight and that mm-hmm. there's good in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so even if it's not necessarily the same context that we're experiencing that hope in today as the original readers of that verse, the principle still stands. But let's have Absolutely a little fun true. with yes. some verses yes. where maybe the way that we commonly interpret some beloved verses is not necessarily the way that they were originally intended to be applied. Okay. Let me give you one. Philippians 4.13, mm. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. A favorite verse of basically every football coach who I ever <laughs> had is we're running wind sprints after a three-hour practice in the Florida heat and humidity, and we feel like we can't take another step, we can't breathe, and he would quote Philippians 4.13. Uh, yes, coach, I believe that verse. <laughs> not what it's talking about. <laughs> It's not it's not it's not just like if I quote that then I'm going to supernaturally lock into some Jesus ability to run this wind sprint. It's not what it's about. You mean it's not scripture steroids? No, right no, it's not. That would be fantastic. That's a great term. Did you make that up? I did, just on the spot oh, right there. Oh my goodness, that is scripture steroids. I like that. <laughs> Well, it's it's one of those verses you do see, especially associated with with athletics, all mm-hmm. of the time. With you know, guys have that on their shirts as they're out doing sprints. Listen, I don't know if I don't know what group is the worst for using verses out of context, but high school football teams have got to be up there. <laughs> high school football teams taking verses out of context, man, it's the worst. Yeah, it's the worst. Yeah, yeah. So, so let me let me put this verse into context for you, and then okay. you you help us deal with this uh, this this contradiction here. So, Philippians four, uh, starting in verse eleven. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And it's in that that it launches us into, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yeah, I love this. So can I tell you where my mind immediately goes? Please. And we're just going to talk about probably my own sin. Um, And if anybody (laughs) relates to this, I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. But, you know, if you struggle with the same thing, then great. You know, let's get together, have a cup of coffee, commiserate. Um, Yeah, we immediately think of... uh, Difficult situations and using that verse, I can get through this. True, Mm. absolutely true. Why does it not feel so urgent to apply this verse, to claim this verse, to meditate on it, to marinate in it when things are going really well? Mm -hmm. When you've got, hey, when the month is over and you still got plenty of money, Mm. um, when you are healthy, when things are good, when people adore you, um, when you are successful, when all the things you want are happening, when you are in the time of plenty, however you would define plenty, mm-hmm. why aren't we grabbing hold of that verse and saying, Christ, I need you to deal with this because of the deceitfulness of sin and my own heart. I'm going to become self-reliant. I'm going to become a look within kind of person. Um, I don't know that I have what it takes to handle prosperity well. Will you help me? Because mm. I can only do this with you. And I know that I can do this with you. I'm not so confident that I can do this without you. Mm-hmm. Why is that less urgent? Yeah, I think we are, we're all wired to want to gravitate towards victory mm-hmm. and success. Mm-hmm. Not contentment. Yeah. Yeah. That the that the 
contentment bubble doesn't move Mm -hmm. based on the circumstances. Mm -hmm. Man, I want to be that person. Mm. So how do I become that person? (laughs) Well, let's correctly (laughs) interpret this verse first. (laughs) You don't got any insights for me? Let's start is there. Is there an easy I, one, two, three step? Well, I think the easy one step is mm-hmm. let's uh, let's do it through Christ yeah. <laughs> rather than trying to white knuckle it ourselves, yeah. right? Because yeah. I think that's the point here that we're not going to white knuckle it you successfully know, ourselves. Somebody asked me right before the service on Sunday, um, how do t- just help me? I I need to look up. And it was sincere, and it was sweet, and it, and it was beautiful, and it was right before the service started, and there was there was no time for the slow kind of conversation. Mm. That was deserved. That 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 this person deserved. Um, what I've been thinking about throughout this series is one of the things that I just quickly said. And man, I hope it didn't come across as trite. This is what we're trying to just we're trying to capture and communicate each week. Mm-hmm. And that it's it's not a quick one two three step thing. Mm. I think if Paul were here, he would just say, "Well, you look to Jesus. You'd spend." He would give. He would. He would. I, I love it. I was listening to Tim Keller talk this morning. And he just said, I'm sorry, it's just prayer. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and and I know that he wasn't being apologetic for the importance of prayer, but what he was trying to say is, I know that people are, they're waiting to hear some secret, but there is no secret out there. Spend time in prayer. Mm-hmm. Spend time communing with Jesus, delighting in Jesus, um, expressing gratitude for what you have in Jesus, uh, receiving from Jesus. And I think that's what Paul would say. Um, when you don't let... Don't let the difficulty, the challenges, the want, or the plenty of your circumstances dictate how much you want to talk to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I just got to tell you, I am vulnerable to want to talk to him more when I feel like I'm losing than when I'm winning. Mm-hmm. And there's not a one, two, three step there. It's it seems to be more about contentment in Christ, regardless of what's going on around you, than content. It's not contentment related to the circumstances. It's contentment in any circumstances because it's anchored in your your love and your savoring of Jesus. It's well, a, that's a far cry from the, uh, the high school football team's T-shirts. Sure. <laughs> yes. And wind sprints and, and all of that. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Let's absolutely. do one one more because uh, this is another verse where maybe the uh, the way that it's used is still what it was intended, but people hang on to this verse as a promise, and then there can be some some fallout for this if they expect this to be a promise and it doesn't turn out the way that they intended for it to mm-hmm. turn out. And okay. that's Proverbs twenty two six that talks about train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. That seems to read like it's a pretty direct promise. It seems like it's reading to parents about the way that they're raising their children. Mm-hmm. And yet uh, we all know parents who have been excellent parents who have raised their children in the faith, and this promise didn't turn out the way they expected it to. Yeah, this is a proverb, not a promise. And proverbs are statements, they're wise statements that are generally true. I don't think that we're supposed to interpret them as laws of the universe mm. or, or, or things that are immutable. Um, it's so it's really important just to... Sometimes people ask the question, and I've talked about this before in messages. I, again, I don't know if I've ever done a good job of talking about it. Do you take? Do you understand the Bible literally? Well, I want to understand yes and no. Um, I understand the Bible literarily. It's mm-hmm. important to understand what we're reading there is a proverb. We got to understand the 
what are the rules and what are what are the implied expectations when you're reading that particular genre mm-hmm. because it's different from when you're reading poetry it's different from when you're reading narrative it's different from when you're reading an epistle or or a parable we have to understand how to appropriately handle all the different uh, genres that are in both the old and new testaments and People out there listening might be wondering, well, I didn't go to Sphea. I, I didn't go to seminary like Sphea did, or I, I didn't go to Bible college and seminary like Rick did. What What am I supposed to do? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, number one, just read your Bible. Mm. Uh, but it's but it's okay to pick up resources from people who are helpful. I'm going to try and get this right from memory. There's a little book that I love called Understanding the Bible, and I want to say that it's by Mel Lorenz. And I might be getting that that name wrong, but it is. It just walks through all the different genres in the mm. Bible and how to understand them. It's it's a short little book. You don't sit down and read it like a novel. Probably best to use it like a like a desk reference. Uh, I love that book, and and I've used that. That with folks in the past, and they've they've loved it too. Um, pick up a great study Bible. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is a, is a good place to is mm-hmm. a is a good place to start. Um, if your church uh, offers classes on Bible study and how to study, should be participate in that. Go to things like community Bible study that are hosted at our church. Go to women's Bible study. Go to uh, we've got a new slate of classes that are going to be kicking off here in the fall, and that'll be a great way to get in community and to begin to learn mm-hmm. how to do this because this is a learnable skill. Absolutely, you don't have to be in a position where someone is digging out the richness of God's word for you. You can uh, grow to be able to do this for yourself. And we want to be the kind of church that empowers people to do that. Well, I'd I'd encourage people, even today, even without any extra resources Mm -hmm. or a class or anything like that, when you're reading a verse, read it in the context of the entire chapter. Yes. Better yet, look and see what comes before that chapter, what Mm -hmm. comes after that chapter. Absolutely. Um, You mentioned a good study Bible. Often Mm -hmm. study Bibles will start off the book of the Bible with Mm -hmm. with all of the background information about who wrote the book and who they were writing it to and what were the circumstances Mm -hmm. that surrounded that. Mm -hmm. Uh, So so simply with one good study Bible, you have a lot of the tools that you need to be able to do this kind of uh, correct interpretation of verses. Absolutely. Svea, thanks for a great conversation. I've enjoyed this and I hope it's been beneficial to folks who've been listening in. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks. 